I just, I just want to say, I know this was all my fault. Sorry to Masha's mom. Sorry to my mom. I'm the one who wanted to do this podcast. I'm the one who picked this movie. I'm the one who insisted we keep watching. And regardless of what Masha says, this is my fault. So I just want to say, I'm sorry to the listeners. I'm sorry to the fans. I'm too scared to close my eyes. And I'm too scared to open them. Oh my god. (laughs) Hello. Thank you for tuning in. This is Love What I Love, a podcast where we beg our partner to love something we do, whether it be a movie, TV show, or anything in between. We're your hosts, Andy and Masha. And this week, we're talking about The Blair Witch Project. October of 1994, three student filmmakers disappeared in the woods near Burkittsville, Maryland while shooting a documentary. A year later, their footage was found. Did they survive? Well, maybe they are still lingering out there, somewhere, in the Twilight Zone. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what is she doing? (laughs) It just sounded like him. What's his name again? Rod Serling. Rod Serling. R.I.P. So The Blair Witch Project is a 1999 horror film written and directed and edited by Daniel Merrick and Eduardo Sanchez. It is starring Heather Donahue, Michael C. Williams, and Joshua Leonard. And as you probably noticed, this movie is what they call a found footage movie, shown as if it's filmed entirely by the characters in the movie with no extra kind of camera shots and things like that. It's technically not the first time this has ever been done, but this one blew up in such a massive way and became a cultural hit mm-hmm. that it's kind of known for starting the genre in in the sense of a million imitators came after it and like literally the words the found footage genre is taken from that opening text i just read where yeah. a year later their footage was found so it's kind of easy to say that this is kind of like how we talked about with psycho where i was like it's not the first slasher but like you can kind of mm-hmm. kind of argue that it is i am just wondering about the legality of being found footage you know like oh, we're, are they we're, allowed to say that we're gonna get into a lot of that um <laughs> i'm so that curious was the biggest thing in, as to what I'm you curious yeah about. so like i said so many movies after this ended up taking this style and running with it most notably probably the paranormal activity series there's like seven of those movies or six i don't even i can lost count and they're all done in a found footage type of way you know we've had big monster movies like cloverfield we've had george romero the guy who invented zombies on that of living dead the fifth movie in that franchise is all found footage called diary of the dead mm-hmm. and it's not very good unfortunately Womp. but it is there there are those relatively new movies called creep on uh they're on netflix this creep and creep 2 they're pretty good those are all found footage and either other genres have done it too like i don't know you ever see chronicle no it's a superhero movie but shot through found footage style Um, that's fun it's pretty good yeah and then there was that project x which is about like kids throwing the craziest party they could ever throw and that was all found footage Um, so even though the horror genre kind of held on through found footage other genres have dove into it that's how big it's gotten since this thing oh that's cool so right off the bat i gotta say with this movie this is probably one of the most divisive movies i love is as in divisive if it's good or not 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 in my opinion but just in the 
of people I've talked to in the internet and, and the world and critics, like I've had more conversations about why I think this is a good movie than I think any other movie I love. Like, Interesting. like sometimes people are like, it wasn't for me, this and that. Like th- I've met so many people who feel the same way I do and think this is amazing. And then I see people who are just like, it sucks. It's boring. Nothing happens. Blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. All those kind of things. So as big as this movie was, and we'll get into all those details, it rose so high in popularity so fast that the backlash was almost instant. Where all of a sudden everybody was like, it's overhyped, it's stupid, don't believe it, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> In the 90s? Yeah. So, <laughs> like, normally, like I said, a lot of these movies we pick, you might not like it, but they're hard to argue that they're not, like, good movies, per se, you know? Oh, challenge. I mean, we did do Bring It Down the House, so that might be wrong. <laughs> and we're still bringing that up. All right. <laughs> it was released nationwide in 1999, but this film started off as a little indie movie, went to Sundance got blown up there and that's where it got purchased and then eventually became a full-blown movie in theaters here Mm -hmm. the budgets kind of vary on this because it was so independent that it wasn't as like well documented but to shoot the movie they spent roughly thirty thousand dollars and then in order to edit it and do the sound mixing they they roughly estimated around sixty thousand dollars to to make the whole movie Mm -hmm. and that's obviously not counting the marketing and it ended up grossing 250 million dollars worldwide so it was a hit that nobody could ever see at the time of its release, it broke the record for the most profitable indie movie ever made. It was broken three years later by my big, my big fat Greek wedding. Huh. But still, it was uh, it was pretty giant. Yeah. At the time, I think Ninja Turtles was the one before it because <laughs> that was oddly to believe an independent movie L-O-L. somehow. Oh, <laughs> that is so funny. I have always liked Kawabunga. That was from 1990 to 99. So. The making of this movie is insane. I have so much to talk about with that. But also, in terms of the marketing, I could maybe even come up with an argument this might be the greatest marketing any movie's ever done. It's insane what they did to market this movie and how successful they were. And that's mm-hmm. going to be a big chunk of our conversation. Oh, okay. But, well, you know, there's oh, a lot to you know how to here. tease things. Oh, yeah. There's so much. This, this movie's a gem. You gotta tease that, Andy. <laughs> But before we go into all that fun stuff, oh, man. Masha, here we go. I have to imagine you've heard of the Blair Witch Project, but I know you've never seen it until last night. <laughs> God damn. So what was your perception of this movie? You know, because it's been out for at this point, what, 21 years? Yes. So it's not it's not new by any means. So what's your what was your knowledge of it, at, of, if anything? Like, have you seen a trailer? Did you know what it was going to look like? Have you seen, there's been a million spoofs and parodies? Like, what do you got? Right. I obviously have heard of this movie. I don't think you can go through life and not hear have heard about The Blair Witch Project. Yeah. I knew it was an indie film. I knew that people were in the woods. I didn't know how many people or like I didn't know too many details. I just knew that this was a movie that came up in all, <laughs> all of my film classes at some point. Mm-hmm. Um and oddly I never had to watch it or seeked it out. Yeah. Um, just because it wasn't it this this isn't, you know, the genre that I would normally go course, for on my own. Yeah. In terms of like the f- the movies inspired by the Blair Witch Project, I don't seek out paranormal activity or any of those kinds of movies. Those just don't yep. vibe with me normally. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I didn't know much about it. I've just heard it, it. the name is just, you know, like Blair Witch Project. Oh, yeah, I know that's a big thing, but I'd never watched it on my own. Did you know it was like found footage the way that it was going to be shot like this? 
Yes, but I feel like it's because you have told me about. Oh, okay. That. You know, like we, it's come up in conversation in our in our relationship. Yeah. And every time it's been brought up, you get really excited about showing it to me one day. So it's happened five nice. and a half years later. <laughs> awesome! Awesome. Great. How about you? Oh, I remember it. I remember 1999 very well with this movie coming out. Oh, snap. Uh, I was but a youngster. I was only nine years old at the time. Like you were watching this at nine years um, old. I didn't see it in theaters. Uh, I do, but I do remember just it coming out. I remember seeing things on TV and everything was so cryptic in the marketing that it just like, for a little nine-year-old, I was just like, what the hell is this? <laughs> My older cousin saw it. Uh, he's only two years older than me. So, you know, we were, we were hung out all the time. Like, he wasn't much older. Yeah. And then I remember... Shortly after he saw it, me, my two brothers, and him went camping for like a weekend. Oh man! And after they saw it, uh, only only my cousin saw. It. My brothers haven't seen. It. I don't. Oh, I don't okay, know if okay. they ever saw it. And then we were, you know, we were very young. So one night, my oldest brother is like, oh, "I'll tell you guys a ghost story," and you know, he started. He made up some ghost story on the fly. And I remember that scaring the hell out of me. And then we didn't have anything <laughs> to to give back. So my cousin was like, "Oh, I can tell you the story of the Blair Witch." And, you know, I knew it was a movie at the time and this and that, but A, the market, like, again, there's so much to unpack with the marketing, but the biggest push this movie had was convincing people that it was real. There was obviously tons of people who didn't fall for it, but there were tons of people who did. <laughs> I think they did a, as good of a job as you could have possibly done to make this seem like a real, like, real found footage and not a movie that they made. Uh-huh. And... I was nine at the time, so I had no problem believing it. Right. Like, there was no chance in my mind this wasn't real. Um, I just didn't understand how the film business worked. I didn't really understand, didn't understand a lot of things. It's hard for me to, like, put myself in the shoes to be like, if I was, you know, say, 24, I feel like I would have known it was fake, mainly just because of how much I like movies and how much I read about them. And, like, mm -hmm. you know, I would have just, like, put the two and two together to be like, this can't be real. That's insane. But by all accounts, I mean, tons of full-grown adults... I have to imagine ones who aren't that into movies, like, just kind of go to the movies, you know, a couple times a year. Right. And, like, not really into filmmaking. I think those are the more people who fell for it. But people fell for it like crazy. So I was... Well, and, I mean, I know it wasn't technically the first of its kind, but probably the most marketed found footage movie of its time, right? Yeah, yeah. And... So maybe and that's it, another reason. Even the ones that came before it that everyone lists is there's a movie in 1980 called Cannibal Holocaust. Mm -hmm. And then there was a movie that came out, like, right around the same time as this called The Last Broadcast. I've actually never seen it, but it has a very similar plot. It's like three people go somewhere something bad happens we found their cameras uh -huh. but those all had extra editing in them like cannibal holocaust was presented more as a documentary where it's like this documentary crew filmed this it's probably offensive as fuck by now but like this tribe that eats people uh, who knows where the hell they were mm -hmm. um i never saw it it's supposed to be like all fucked up it's been banned in like 40 countries it just, oh dang it just seems like it just seems gross i don't know if i want to watch it wow yeah so that was more like we're a real film crew filming a documentary on these real people uh -huh. so it's it looks a little bit more like a documentary you'd watch on tv as opposed to and i can't speak on last broadcast either because i haven't seen it but blair witch it's strictly like this is footage we found like you know what i mean as if like these people like we didn't go out to make a documentary and then we learned the story it's like canisters were found in the woods mm -hmm. we found the footage these are these people's last moments on camera so Yes, those did the whole, like, we're filming something real, but I still think in terms of, like, quote-unquote found footage. That's why I say I think this is still very original and, and the first to do it. Right. But anyway, so I thought it was 
fully real. I had no reason to believe it not to. I was nine years old. Mm-hmm. So I just remember my cousin going in detail, telling us the whole, basically the whole movie. <laughs> like that was his ghost story. You know, he skipped a lot of the parts in the daytime. He basically just told us like what happened every night, you know, like, and then on the second night, you know, <laughs> and I just remember being so goddamn scared and like, I went to sleep that night. I woke up in the middle of the night. I had to pee. I just said, fuck it. And I just waited in the tent until morning. Like, and then I got up and peed, you know, like I was, Aww. I didn't want to go do it in the darkness while everyone was sleeping. That stuck with me for a while. And then it came out. I'm, I'm pretty sure it came out on like video and DVD real quickly. Like, I think they like turned it out fast. Yeah. Cause then I remember just renting it, <clears throat> watching it in my parents' basement. As and, per use. Yep. That's my spot. Uh, you know. I didn't sleep. I had a bedroom, but there was really nothing in it. It was just like my bed. So the basement's like a hangout spot. You know, that's yeah. always that's where the movies were. It's where the video games were. It's where I spent my days as a, as a weird little pale kid. <laughs> <laughs> what? You've seen it. It's not a creepy basement. It's I a know. totally normal basement. I'm just thinking of like pre me knowing you, like the little youngster Andy All in the right. basement. <laughs> The little weirdo from downstairs. Uh, it's fucked up. Uh, <laughs> okay, now it's weird sit- calling a kid a weirdo. That is yeah. messed up. So I was a little weirdo downstairs. Okay. And uh, <laughs> um, I watched it and it scared the living fuck out of me. Oh, no. Uh, Wait, pause. What were your parents doing when you were like watching scary movies in the basement? What the hell was going on? <laughs> Like, did they, like, did your mom ever come down and, like, in the middle of, a like, a crazy scene? No. I mean, unless my mom was doing laundry, there was really, like, no reason for them to even come downstairs. <laughs> so I was like, I was just running wild. <laughs> and for, I mean, I know it was a little bit different with your mom because you, like, watch stuff together. But we both have, you know, we're both first-generation Americans. We have foreign parents. They didn't really take any interest in me- the media. I was like, it wasn't yeah. that kind of like typical American girl where like they're checking parental advisory stickers and and, and checking our rate. Like I was watching R-rated movies at three, four years old. Like you know, oh, yeah. t- watching Terminator Two and all that. Yeah, but still, like my mom, like if I were watching something, let's say I'd be watching a comedy, and for some reason there's like a romantic scene. Yeah, she would of course walk by during like the makeout session. Of be like, course. What the hell are you watching? <laughs> you know, like that. So I'm that's just a cla- wondering. That's if, a like, classic. Yeah. Uh, scenario. I feel like we've all been there. Yeah. Uh, this is a completely side tangent, but I remember one time I was at my friend's house and we were watching Undercover Brother. You ever see that movie? No. Uh, it, it's pretty funny. It's, it's all right. Um, <laughs> but there's like a scene where Denise Richards and I forget who the other actress is, they're having like a fight scene and then they're like punching each other and stuff. And then, you know, because it's a stupid comedy, all the guys are watching it. And then all of a sudden it turns into like their fantasy where they start like making out and oh, like no. showering together and all that. And it's a PG 13 movie. So you know, they're not naked or anything, but they're still like, and it's like, an ex- it's, it happens for like 25 seconds. <laughs> and then like, of course his dad walks in right in that moment. He's just staring at the TV and we're like 11, 12 years old. And he's just like, what are you guys watching? And uh. we, we were like, what? It's a, they're fighting. It's a comedy. Like, you know, like yeah. and so, that always just sticks out to me when you think of the, like <laughs> someone, Always just to walk in at the worst yes. time and be like, what is this? <laughs> You'd be like, eh, if you saw the whole thing, it would make sense. You mess with the fro, you got to go. Sorry yeah. to throw you off there, Oh, it's but fine. You were, you were talking about, you know, you watched this in your yeah, basement. and scared the living hell out of me. Watched it at <laughs> night. Everything including the beginning scared me. So as someone who loves horror movies now, it's crazy because, like, when I was a kid kid, they scared me more than anything in the world. Uh-huh. And... Prior to this, 
everything I was super scared of, I got over real quickly. Like the first, the, the first thing I ever saw that scared me to death was Halloween. Uh-huh. I didn't even see the whole movie. I must have been like six, and my older cousins were watching it, and I was just like walking in another room, kind of glancing in, and. The whole ending of that movie where, you know, Michael gets shot, falls off the balcony, he's dead, and you look and he's gone. I'd never seen that trope, that cliche, ever in my life. And it just literally made me think, like, oh, this guy can... He's still alive. He, yeah. could, he could be coming he's here next. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. he, he goes from Haddonfield, Illinois, to Long Island. <laughs> but then, just, I don't know, I guess, like, that fear made me watch, like, more Halloween movies or watch it again. And then I, like, lost my scare of that and halloween's still my favorite horror movie but i don't get scared when i'm watching it at all i just mm-hmm. appreciate it yeah um then you know scream came out in 96 i saw it when it was on video so i was seven when i saw scream scared the shit out of me then before i know it now it's like the funniest like cleverest like my second favorite horror movie is scream this mm-hmm. movie i was scared last night i'm always scared of the blair you were witch project scared last yeah, i was scared night? i'm fucking hot hairs were, were up what here what the hell you looked <laughs> you looked so normal I, it's internalized oh my God. i was scared i was doing the research watching watching supplementary footage one morning before you woke up because i wake up super early and the, the sun hadn't come up yet it was like 6 15 i was like trying to get my research done before you woke up and i was <laughs> i was scared then i was like oh masha gets up soon because i don't want to go take a piss oh. i don't know what it is yo i can and never tell and I know a lot of people think this is not scary at all and thinks it's like stupid and laugh at it, but I kind of look at scary the same way I look at funny, where I always say like funny subjective. You're never going to convince someone that something is funny. They're either mm-hmm. finding it funny or they're not. I kind of feel the same thing with scary. Mm-hmm. You know, some some people, you know, you, if you're scared of child ghosts for some reason, any movie with that will like paralyze you with fear. But if I don't have that inherent fear, so I can watch totally. a, watch something like that. So. I, I don't know what it is. I think it's just hearing ghost stories. Like, to me, like, telling ghost stories around a campfire is so fucking scary. And this whole movie unfolds. Nothing is certain. Nothing is, like, explained. It's all just people's ideas of what they've heard and stuff you don't see. And I don't know. That in the dark just scares the hell out of me. So, yeah, I mean, this... I'm not, I'm not going to say this is the scariest movie of all time. It's the movie that scares me the most mm-hmm. in terms of... If nobody was home, I wouldn't even. I wouldn't watch this movie. I'd be too scared. You know, like I wouldn't watch it because I'm too scared. Like I usually watch horror movies when you're not around because you don't like them that much, <laughs> and I have no problem with it. You know, you go visit your mom for the weekend. I use it every single night. I watch a horror movie alone <laughs> to, to, to catch up on stuff that I haven't been watching. Good to know. And it's fine. It's not yeah. like I, I don't. I finish it and then I lotty da off to the kitchen to make a snack. Right. I wouldn't watch this alone. Damn. It's too scary. And if I did, it would be during the day. I don't know what the hell's wrong with me. It's just how it's how the movie unfolds. So yeah, this seeing this movie the first time is etched in my brain. I ended up buying the DVD, and then that's when I learned about how they made the movie, how they marketed the movie, and I just was like, now I just like this on a whole nother level. Let alone just the fact that it creeped me the hell out. Uh-huh. And that is my history. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Out of all the horror movies that I know that you've watched, that this is yeah. like one of the ones. Like that plenty unsettle always... me or make me feel uncomfortable. Like go like, oh no, don't do you know like yeah. like I'll have moments like I ah, don't go in there, but like as soon as the fucking thing starts, I'm scared. Hmm. <laughs> and, that's... and that's knowing that it's fake. Like that's crazy. I know, but yeah, it's it, to me it just stands out from all the other found footage movies because. You can never do this again. You're never going to convince people that a movie yeah. in theaters is real, that we're watching 
people die on camera. Like, it's just never going to happen again. It was, it was a flash in the bottle. It was a mix of the technology being available at the time, the crazy use of the internet, which was unknown for movie marketing at the time, mm. and just getting all these people riled up. So because of that, since every other found footage movies knows that they're not going to trick you, they make them a little more like traditional movies. You know, there'll be special effects, there'll be jump scares, there'll be these big scripted moments, and this... They went through such efforts to make it seem real that I still buy in when I watch it, where I'm just like, yeah, this this isn't like actors. Like, these are three wow. people lost in the woods. I can't wait to hear more about that part. Yeah. And yeah, so right off the bat, I think this episode, I don't really consider, I think our, we're going to have to forego our format a little bit again. I don't really consider it a spoiler section. Literally, the beginning of the movie says, we found footage of people who disappeared. So <laughs> I don't think you're watching this being like, they're going to make it out, you know? Right. So... It's less going to be us like kind of going through this happens and then this happens and more I'm just going to be talking about scenes that work, scenes that don't, and then I'll weave in the making of all of this into it, I think. All right, so so no spoiler section. It's kind of all spoilers. Yeah, I think we're just going all in on this. Going um, in. Let's just get started. So I think a, fun, a little more fun way to start this instead of me just blabbering for five million years, what kind of questions do you have? Like, I'm sure this movie raised a million questions. You were furious last night because you wanted you literally wanted to fire up the mics as soon as this ended. Yes. To get some clarification on what's going on with this thing. Well, first of all, I was just, I wasn't expecting it to be that short. That was one of the main reasons I was upset uh, <laughs> when it ended. Oh, it's a solid, like, hour 21. And that's why you weren't so concerned about making it through. Because you had driven quite a bit. Before we watched the movie. Yeah, so I, I drove was to Philly, about... helped my brother move and drove back. Yeah, so I was like, oh, that's weird that he's not like worried about falling asleep during this movie. And it just ended. Yeah. What the hell? Super short. So that well, was We're not, really not going to talk about that, though. We'll get there. No, later, I know, yeah. I know, I know. But like, just so you know. You I know? just mean like a curiosity of like, you know, I'm sure you've never seen a movie that looked like this before. Ye- no. So like, do you have any questions? Like, anything? I don't know. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> This was a casted movie, right? But yes. everyone seemed so natural. Like even the people in the neighborhood yeah. were those was were those real people this or is, were they casted as well? I love this. I got answers for all. This. <laughs> so the three main actors were actors. They were they were cast. They answered a casting call to you know be in this movie. The script, if you even call it that, was thirty five pages long. It was a treatment of what happens in the movie, and then all the dialogue is entirely improvised. Wow! So it's a fully improvised movie, and the actors themselves shot the entire movie. There wasn't a crew there like pretending to be them every time the camera went to their perspective. Crazy! So these people shot the whole movie themselves, and I have more to say about that. But just to quickly answer your question. Yeah, the town people, they were a mix of planted actors and then also just local townspeople they found who they kind of coached on what to say. And then what they did was the cast was kept in the dark for a lot of stuff. And they weren't told who to interview or anything like that. They were just kind of, they were told, I guess I should rewind. Okay. Everything this movie's made up, including the myth of the Blair Witch and all the backstory that you get on the Blair Witch and the town and the murders in the 1800s and all of that. Got it. The cast didn't know that. They thought that the Blair Witch was a local legend, that it was like a re- like a quote unquote real myth, you know, like that that people that it was actually supposedly a woman who got killed during the Salem witch trials. There, or it's not Salem, it's not Salem, <laughs> <laughs> uh, for being a witch at the time. So they were told like you're going to go to a town and interview some people, and we're going to get some real you know stories about the Blair Witch. And then they basically were told where to go, but not who to talk to. And 
you know, obviously when this was all over, they had, I think I had 20 hours of footage to work with when, when the shooting was done with this. Right. So, this. Oh my God. so yeah, they, the, so then the directors just kind of planted some actors and then also some regular people and told them what to say. And then basically like edited the ones that they wanted them to talk to. Do we know the reasoning behind that? Because these are actors, right? So they could have pretended like, what's the, what's the reasoning behind planting people and keeping the actors in the dark? Because it felt more, it looked more real. They wanted genuine reactions out of most things. Okay. Um, but when, so when they casted the main three, the film was shot in just eight days, and they told the cast basically like, if you sign up for this, you're signing up to go live in the woods for eight days and basically go through like psychological torture while we make this movie. Oh my god! Like they just told the cast like, if you you have to be a hundred percent committed to this if you really want to do this right now. So. Like I said, there was no dialogue. It was all improvised. They would send them into the woods uh, to film every single day with the cameras and everything, the sound the sound equipment. And they had little GPS monitors to tell them where to go. Um, so they would be pre predestined with like their location for the day. And then each character would get, each actor would get a note card every single day that told them just a little bit something that they need to know for that day. Mm-hmm. Like, you're getting mad at Heather for getting us lost. Uh, you know, you're getting fed up. You're really hungry today. Like you're, you know, just some little motivation, but the other actors wouldn't know what the other ones got on their cards. What a kind of weird acting simulation. It's insane. It's something I've never <laughs> seen been done before. And the fact that they pulled it off. And so they would hike every single day. Um, they were told that, th- that things would happen every night, but they were never told what those would be. They were just like, listen, And the directors were always there in the woods watching from afar. They were just dressed in camo with binoculars, just always watching. Is there a movie about the making of the Blair Witch Project? I think I found (laughs) one documentary that apparently came out in 2015, but I can't find it anywhere. I just saw that they said it existed. Interessant. Um, And then basically they would make their way to GPS coordinates to a milk crate that had food, had water. And then had uh, a film canister that had their notes for the next day. Hmm. And it was up to them to, you know, pitch the tents and do all that and sleep. And then the directors would fuck with them at night. And then as the shoot went on, the directors would fuck with them more and more at night. So they would get more sleep deprived to get them more anxious and freaked out. So, like, you know, they they would just wake them up every, like, two hours so they could never get a good night's sleep. They started leaving less and less food as the shoot went along. Oh, my God. Um, they always give them plenty of water, um, but they they just would, like, lower the amount of food every single day to where they said on the, by the time the last day came, they would each got a power bar and a banana to get through the whole day because that just got them more anxious and more, you know, mm-hmm. at each other's throats, basically. And, you know, there, there were safety precautions, too. Like, it wasn't entirely insane. Like, they did all have walkie-talkies. They had a code word that at any point they could press the walkie-talkie and talk to the directors and be like, I think the word was taco. If they said taco, the directors would come in, make sure they were okay. The GPSs all had uh, escape routes for them. So if they ever did actually get lost, they could just change the route and then it would lead them to the nearest exit out of the out of the place. But, yeah, I mean, essentially, that's how they shot the movie was... The actors made everything up. The actors shot the entire thing. No shots were planned. Only the stuff that, you know, so while they were sleeping, the directors would set the rocks up around their house, around their tents. And they just told them, like, stay in character the entire time. So if you see something weird, explore it as the character. You know, mm-hmm. if you walk, if you make a left and all of a sudden there's a bunch of stick men hanging around, fucking react to it. You know what I mean? Right. And I just find that to be insane to take that kind of gamble. Like, yes, this is a low budget movie, but if you're two broke people, $25,000 isn't nothing. You right. know what I mean? Like, 
like you're writing a lot uh you know as a filmmaker you're not watching dailies you're not seeing what you're getting for all you know when this is all over it could all be unusable trash you know exactly. what i mean and they were partly cast like they cast josh they said main they liked him a lot but like he knew his way around the camera so they were like that's literally why part of the reason why he got hired and that's stuff like that crazy so yeah that's basically how they shot the movie was just by torturing these actors for eight days and just trusting that they were getting what they were getting and that it was going to work. That sounds very stressful. Yeah, it's insane. And the original idea of the movie was the directors assumed that they were only going to get maybe 20 to 30 minutes of actual usable like hiking footage. Uh-huh. And they were just trying to make a fake documentary. At This, this is the period of the most popular things on TV were things like Unsolved Mysteries, History's Mysteries, all those UFO sighting shows, uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not. You know, a lot of those, like, reenactment, like, and then I saw an alien head in the bushes. Yeah. And literally the two directors, like, they, they were just finishing film school at the time of making this. And, you know, horror movies of the 90s were very stylized and, like, polished. You know, you were getting lots of screams, lots of, you know, kind of, like, hip. Not, not necessarily scary, but more, like, kind of just, like, movies that were trying to be really cool at the time. Mm-hmm. And reportedly they were just like hanging around just talking shit at film school being like i get way more scared at night watching like unsolved mysteries or something about aliens even if i know it's fake the the grainy footage and the whole movie feel and the realness of it scares us more than going to the horror movies these days right and that's where they had the idea so they were gonna make like a 90 minute documentary about the blair witch and about these three kids and kind of intercut them in the woods with fake news footage uh like like fake news anchors fake a bunch of faking police reports and all that stuff. Right. But then when they had the edit, they once they had all the footage, they were like, we have enough here to make a movie. <laughs> and they just scrapped the rest of that. And they were like, let's just make this look like a real, like, we found footage. They were like, it loses its scariness if you're cutting to news anchors and, and like, narrators and shit. So they just decided to strip everything down and just be like, maybe we can convince people that this is real. Right. And that's kind of where they went from there. I know this is nothing to do with why other people might find this scary, but I find people arguing to be very scary. And, you know, throughout this film, obviously, these three people are traveling, they get lost in the woods, and they start getting frustrated with each other and start fighting. And whenever that guy would yell, not Josh, the other one, Mike, it freaking scared me. Because another thing, too, like, these guys are capturing a lot of footage in the woods but the audio levels are kind of all over the place because it is like that kind of like just found footage i guess so like every time matt would like be screaming or him and heather would be going at it i was actually freaking out (laughs) i was like it really got me yeah and all those things like the audio going in and out i think that just all like adds to why it seems real because you're like if you're making a movie why would you put bad audio in the movie it doesn't, yeah it doesn't yeah. make any sense but it's like this it's isn't a movie polished, right it's, this is this is what they got this is what we have and in a certain way that's true too because since the actors were filming it sometimes they did get bad audio you know like they just weren't totally you know these aren't professional filmmakers these are just three actors running around with equipment mm-hmm. so yeah that's that goes to to what i was saying earlier about how this is the only found footage movie i know of where they really t- they take the extra step to literally make it a worse movie to make it seem like it is real. Mm-hmm. As opposed to like a polished, like I love Cloverfield, but I mean, there's like a million CGI shots and set up scares and, you know, like build up and, and that, you know what I mean? Like right. it, it has a three act structure like a movie. This does not. This just, yeah. this just goes and then ends. You know what I mean? 
And I am adding to the stereotype here, but I will say just the fact that they pulled their car over and decided to hang out in the woods to capture this footage for me as a black person was a huge no-no. So I was like freaking out the whole time because it's something I would never do. Like I've camped before, but honestly, deep down, I know that I'm actually kind of scared of camping. (laughs) (laughs) There's just... And it's kind of proven in this movie, too, right? Like, when you're sleeping in a tent, people could just come up and mess with your tent. Like, you don't really have a true sense of shelter from any or, like, real protection. And I think that added another layer of scariness for okay. me in yeah, this yeah. movie. So just camping in general is kind of scary to you? Yes. <laughs> it is funny because we do hike a decent amount. Like, yeah, we'll I like go, hiking. We'll, we'll drive to the woods and, and park our car on the side of the woods <laughs> and go in for two hours, three Yeah, hours. but there's one thing to hike and it's another thing to stay overnight. That's true. That's true. So did they ever say in the movie why the cameras lasted so long? No. because that would be my first as a person you know if it came out in 1999 being like if this is real how did their cameras last for that many days (laughs) that's true i mean you could argue they just brought 40 batteries right you know what i mean like yes it doesn't make any sense (laughs) okay and that was part of when they would get food replenished every night they got new canisters of film and new batteries because especially you're shooting on film, like especially if you're film students, you're not going to burn that much film. Like they roll that that 16 millimeter camera oh, for yeah. nothing, yeah. even before they're lost. Like they're just having fun with it, and that should cost a lot of money. <laughs> and especially when it's a school's property and they're film, like you know what I mean. Totally. You're you're not getting that much. So yeah, yeah, that's all suspension of disbelief. So that's where I say, like me as a person who works in the industry and loves movies, I probably would have not thought it was real if, at the time. But if you know nothing about how any of this is made, I feel like you're not even going to question it. You're True. like, like the marketing was so goddamn good. Like, it's insane what they did with this like movie. You might as well get into it now. <sighs> All right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> you just keep teasing and teasing. So I don't remember the exact order of events of when it went to Sundance and when this happened. So I'll just talk about the, this other thing first. Basically, they had a little like seven minute test that they shot of this movie of like footage. And... Through a long series of events that aren't that interesting, they got that to be uh, bought by the show called Split Screen. I can't remember. I think it was on E. I don't know what the hell channel it was on. Okay. But it was like a movie show where, you know, they showed you trailers and stuff like that. Oh, I see. And the Split Screen bought the footage and they were very into the idea of like, yo, this looks real as hell. So they presented it as if it was real on TV where they were like, we got this footage. Um, Apparently... Uh, this footage was found of these three people who went in the woods searching for a, a thing called the Blair Witch. You know, uh, it, it's going to just, and they showed that footage online. And then even though it was 1998, their website went crazy. Wow. So many wow. nerds, not nerds, but you know what I mean? So many like people were intrigued by it and started going on message boards. And it just spawned this whole big conversation about what is the Blair Witch? What is this and that? The producers of the movie basically saw this build up and went to the directors. They were like, you have to make a website for the Blair Witch. Like do it right now as fast as possible. So they working with some other, their other producer, they started coming up with all this fake backstory on the Blair Witch. One of the producers, his name was Ben Rock. Him alongside with the directors came up with all this backstory on the myth of the Blair Witch. They made up this Ellie Kedward, who was a woman who, you know, was accused of killing kids in the 1700s, so they banished her into the woods during the winter, and she died. Then, while she was there, 
the next year, everyone who accused her, including half the town's children, all disappeared. And then, you know, they made up all these other stories leading up through time of other disappearances happening in those woods, all the way up to the 1940s with this guy, Rustin Parr, who killed seven kids and said a witch told him to do it. Mm. This is all talked about in the beginning of the movie with the different townspeople, but it's purposely left vague and not substantial at all i was gonna say because i didn't necessarily catch every single thing and i was gonna ask you (laughs) and you kind of clarified some of that yeah yeah so it's it's supposed to be quick because it's supposed to be kind of that word of mouth the way myths propagate you know you're when you're a kid if there's the creepy house in the neighborhood Mm -hmm. people tell stories about it like oh this guy killed his wife and now the ghost lives you know and then you talk to someone else and they might have a complete no it's a the monster house you know something like that so they were really trying to just build that up. So they purposely gave all the townspeople different stories to tell and this and that. But anyway, they so they made this website. They made fake police reports. They shot footage of police officers, you know, going through finding the canisters and finding all this stuff. And then they would have they would release on the website like new footage, you know, just wow. crept up. This is uh, this is what the canisters looked like when they were found and and all this stuff and just built it up and they opened message boards and the Internet just went crazy, which is nuts for 1998. Like <laughs> like people had the Internet, but like in my house, we didn't get a computer with the Internet till 2002. Like I didn't have no Internet for a long time. Yeah, it was just. The first of its kind. You know, other movies had websites, but none of them really. Marketing no, no, gold. Nobody went to it. And then from the success of that, basically, you know how earlier I said that they were trying to make like a fake documentary with all this newscast footage? Right. They shot all that and planned it all out. And then they basically, well, they shot some of it. Sorry, not all of it. But they decided to repurpose that. They got this guy, Ben Rock, to write all new stuff. And they shot other news reports police footage they hired an actor to play rustin parr and they shot old like grainy footage from the 50s of him in jail his court hearing they shot all that stuff that was going to be in the movie and then they edited that into an hour long uh like expose and they sold it to sci-fi the channel oh my god yeah your your channel (laughs) and so a year before the movie came out or not a year a couple months before the movie came out sci-fi released it and aired it on tv and yes, it is on sci-fi, so it's kind of funny to be like, oh, it's true. But again, this is the era where everything was an unsolved mystery, UFO, right. you know, Loch Ness monster footage. Like, everything was, you know, digital video was was blowing up. And so everyone had video cameras now. And, you know, all grainy footage was like the thing to go. So this is actually on the DVD. This is what I watched the other morning when I said I got scared. Oh, all right. I was just writing um, down I want to watch it. Oh, it's... <laughs> So good and so believable. Wow. They get the actor's real family in it. So you get like Mike's brother talking about like, yeah, I can't really watch the movie because I don't like to see my brother's last days on film. You have people playing myth historians. Like they they really don't even talk about the Blair Witch movie that much. They talk about the three kids, but it's a full documentary about who the Blair Witch was, what this town was like, the backstory, every death that that, that was unexplained. They make fake documents like they they like, oh, we found these papers and they, they make them look all old. And it's just goddamn brilliant. So, again, it's not crazy to think for people to be like, oh, this is real. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, if you add those extra layers. Because, like, think about it. Like, when Titanic came out, like, that was a James Cameron movie. But then I remember all over TV was a thousand, like, documentaries about the Titanic where they would be like, hey, let's really dive into what this mo- the story this movie told. Right. So this just looked like... You know, like, this is this is all the backstory. And then at the end, they'd be like, and the Blair Witch Project is coming out at the end of the year, blah, blah, blah. 
So that's one part that's the, already in some of the most insane marketing of all time. When they were at Sundance, they literally riddled the entire town with missing posters for the three actors. Oh my so god! So it had it had their they had black and white photos of them said missing. You know, they had a phone number to call the. They, it wasn't a real phone number, but call the police if you have any information on these people. Um, they changed their IMDb's to say missing, presumed dead. Um, they basically, and then once, the <laughs> i.e., mo- no work for you for a little yeah, while. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll get into it. The actors kind of got the short end of the stick on all this, uh, but yeah, um, for almost a year after the movie was released, the actors weren't allowed to be out to promote it. Like they, they didn't have to hide in their house, but they couldn't do any public appearances. They couldn't cast any other roles. They truly had to stay on the ground. I mean, they used their real names in the movie, Oof. Heather, Josh, and Mike. It was even to the point where, like, Heather's mom was like, I was getting sympathy cards mailed to my house like crazy of people oh, saying, I'm wow. sorry you lost your daughter. You know, it was so horrific to watch her dying moments, on, you know, in that movie and this and that. And they just, I, I feel like every time, every decision they could have made to market this better and get more people excited, <laughs> they made. Obviously, it's a little fucked up. You're lying to a lot of people. Yeah, that's why I'm. I like I said, my biggest question was the legalities of this. Like, how were they able to do this? Yeah, <laughs> and I also I can't remember this, and I'm probably wrong because we just watched the Blu-ray that I just bought. My memory was that right when the movie ends, the credits don't start rolling right away. Mm-hmm. From my memory, is it just kind of ended? It went to black, and then you have to wait a while to get the credits. Because when we watched it last night, as soon as it goes to black, then it says written and directed by Edward uh, uh-huh. Eduardo Sanchez and Daniel Merrick, and I was just like, oh, like how can you fall for it if that comes up right after the last shot? Exactly. But I don't know. I, I could be totally wrong. It's because it's my memory playing tricks on me. But I remember just like it ending and then just a black screen for like five straight minutes. So you're just like, t- you turn it off. Like you're like, I'm, there's, there's, you know, like there's, that was the end. Like we just watched a snuff film basically. Um, Damn. Yeah. So that's insane. Oh, um, I can't believe the parents were getting cards. Yeah. So. And it so was, the parents had to keep, keep it on the down low. Yeah. Everybody well. had to keep it on the down low. And then, yeah, it was just a runaway success. Like, people, it's in, it made so much. Man. It changed the game. What is your, I mean, you obviously knew it was fake because it's 20 years later and blah, blah, blah. There's, there's a whole fucking <laughs> franchise built around it. Do you think there were parts that didn't work in terms of making it seem real? Or do you think it actually succeeded in its goal in terms of watching the movie, like, scene by scene, how it felt, how it looked? I will say. Was there anything that stuck out to you where you're like, well, that's obviously, come on. That's fake. Yeah, well, it actually makes sense to me now that you've said it that this was an improvised movie because there were some times where like Heather would say or kind of like mumble things and I'd be like, uh, that sounded <laughs> sounded like a little like not part of the script. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I could tell that made sense to me that it was improvised for mm-hmm. sure. It's as far as parts that I don't think worked. I mean, nothing is really sticking out to me. I guess I'm curious to to hear from you what you think didn't really work i personally thought that it was kind of though interesting kind of slow for me like i liked the beginning i liked when they were going out in the neighborhood and talking to people and then being in the woods but from like the first time they're in the woods to like the first like major night it it kind that kind of gap was kind of or that that portion of the movie was kind of slow for me Mm mm-hmm 
So it took a while. Like that's why when it picked up and it just ends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was I was just like, what? Like I was just <laughs> like really getting into it. Yeah, I know. And all that in a normal movie would be so annoying, but it just me it just builds <laughs> that it's more real. I love that the I, I think most of it works personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd have to really rack my brain for a second to think about something that sticks out. You're like, oh, that's okay, you know. cool. Like I didn't know if I missed anything. That was really the only thing. Like it felt a little slow until it picked up so much. But I meant more like worked in terms of presenting it as a real story. I meant like did anything seem phony or like oh yeah that was definitely like acting or that's 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 more what I meant worked. Not like oh I not, see. Not, not like as an entertainment piece. No, I believed I believed all the arguments. I agreed with Matt and Josh and Yeah, I thought the characters were very believable. I thought Ma- Mike and Josh. Mike and Josh. <laughs> sorry, Matt, Mike, potato potato. Is it? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No, I I believed I believed it. Like I it didn't nothing took me out. You yeah. Know? One other way that I think it makes it just seem real is it does what no other movies would do because it would be a bad storytelling, but it seems to really make me feel like they turn on the cameras when they do, and we're always jumping in the middle of an important thing that just happened off camera. Right. In a normal movie, you would find Heather looking for in her pockets and being like, where's the map? Where's the map? I can't find the map. But like, it just cuts the next scene, and she's like, are you sure you guys don't have it? Yeah. Which means like she's already been pestering him. They're getting annoyed, and then he turned on the camera while they were talking. And there's, like, so many big moments happen, like, a minute or two before the cameras start rolling. Yeah. And that's why I can understand people go, like, it's boring, nothing happens, and, like, da-da-da. But you have to do those kind of things if you're going to make people feel real. Like, you can't... No... You're never going to get that perfect moment on camera without planning it. You know what I mean? And if you do, maybe it'll happen once. Yeah. You know? You're very rarely going to... If someone pops out at you, you're not going to already be filming in the exact spot where they're going to pop out exactly. and give you a jump scare. Like that's that's movie shit. Yeah. So it's same thing at night when they were in the tents. Like when they turn the cameras on at night, it's because they already had started hearing the sounds. Yeah. and turn the camera on. So you're kind of like waiting to hear that sound again. Exactly. For them to capture it, which yeah, I I love that. So yeah, I I love that shit. <laughs> you know, this movie also reminded me when we're talking about this sort of technique of found footage being used in other genres. Uh-huh. It actually reminded me of a Croatian film that your brother had us watch. Oh, that's a, that's a totally a found footage <laughs> yeah. movie. What Eva With recorded? Comedy, right? Yeah, what Eva recorded? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I totally forgot that. Should I should have put that on my list? You're right. Yeah, that does it with a comedy. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, that's a great movie. You guys should watch What Eva Recorded. Knowing all the actors were put through, I thought the acting was very, very good. Me too. I don't know how much of it was Heather's acting or, you know, her just being anxious about the whole situation, but her crying was very believable. Oh, yeah. And, you know, think about what, you know, eight days of lack of sleep, less and less food. I think, yeah, I, tapping into that, I think a lot of it was, like, true. Like, I think she mm-hmm. was fucking ready to get the hell out of there. Yeah. It's, it's, it kind of sucks, too. Like, I said the actors got the short end of the stick on this one. Especially Heather. Like, she got so much shit because she is the most annoying character in the movie. <laughs> and since people thought it was real. Like, especially the fact that they thought it was real. Then they found that it wasn't. So a lot of people got mad about that. Where they were like, fuck you, movie. Fake Hollywood. <laughs> like, how dare you make me think that was real? And so, like, oh, she just got on. a lot of shit. Like, she was just telling stories of people being like, I fucking hate you. Like, you know, like, people come up to her on the street and stuff like that. Like, you're such a bitch and all that. What the hell? Just because like, she sucked in the movie. But, like, she was playing a character. Like, you know. Yeah, but if you f- figured out it was real, that means she doesn't suck. Yeah, or, or <laughs> fake. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> 
uh, what? I don't understand people. Come on. And also, it's the actor. Yeah, I know. It's so stupid. <laughs> this is coming from someone who doesn't like people. I, I mean, I get a, it to a degree because sometimes there are people who play like mean characters and I'm like, I don't like them. But I, I still am aware that they are playing somebody else. Like yeah. they are not the character that they're playing. Exactly. Come on, people. <laughs> um, yeah, it's so stupid. But yeah, like so, it just sucks for the actors because like this was you know the biggest thing they've ever done. Oh. They didn't really get to share in like a lot of the celebratory aspects of it because they were dead, you know. So right. it, eventually, they like they did spots on the Tonight Show and shit like that. But it was like a year after it was released uh, gotcha. and all that. Like it was after the hype died down. I hope that they were able to get gain some of the financial profits like this nope. oh, they got nothing reportedly artisan when the film made a hundred million dollars sent them each a fruit basket oh my god <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> none of them went on to have like huge huge careers i think josh is the only one who's still acting uh heather grows Medi- michael c something right no that's mike oh. josh is josh josh is <laughs> their josh. names <laughs> they have that real just name. kidding <laughs> i think apparently heather grows medical marijuana now i don't know what mike does for a living Whoa. and uh josh is still an actor um <laughs> mike is a therapist <laughs> but i will say i mean uh, totally it sucks for them i'm not saying the good this happened to them but the fact that none of them blew up i think also helps this movie stay relevant oh totally like young kids could watch this and still like potential fall for it potentially fall for probably not but like you know if one of these kids grew up to be michael b jordan or some shit you know he'd be yeah. like oh it's the guy from black panther like you know obviously this isn't a real movie yeah but because these are like three people who never really got much fame out of this movie it's like you could still kind of watch it and be like are these people dead yeah i i, I don't think i would have gotten as scared if i recognized you know any of the yeah three if, main it, characters. if it turned out to be someone who blew up if josh hartnett was in it you know <laughs> Uh, one of my last notes was, Andy better have answers. What the hell was that ending? <laughs> <laughs> it was unsatisfying and scary as hell. And it's awesome. <laughs> oh, it, back, I mean, I, I'm going to keep harping on the same point where any ending that provided answers, clarity, or a big monster would have made this fake as hell. This, like, I was so sure. I mean, when I first saw that ending, I was like, fuck we just watched i mean if you pay so did you remember the guy's story in the beginning about rustin park killing kids in twos and putting one in the corner so he could kill the other one? Oh my god she was in the corner he was in the corner he was in the corner facing the wall no oh so none of that no, okay so that didn't stick with you at all no i'll be honest with you mike standing in the corner is one of the scariest still images i've ever seen uh... in a movie for me yeah, so well, the, the one guy tells a story, Rustin Parr was the serial killer in the 40s who said the witch told him to kill people, so he would take kids in the in the into his basement, and then he said he couldn't take the eyes watching him, so he would always put one in the corner and face the wall where he killed one, and then he would grab the other one and kill him, and then so after Heather, Mike's already in the basement, Heather goes down, and then we just see Mike standing in the corner just like that, which is, you know, presumably something the witch tells you to do, or this, that, and that, and the other thing, uh, and then so, yeah, that's like, the, like that's the final it. image. Um, See, so you, it's, you know you don't have any, you're not supposed to have like you don't walk around with any answers. Every horror movie, especially supernatural ones, always has that scene where they call like the paranormal expert who comes in and tells you exactly what you're dealing with. And I hate those scenes, and I love that this movie doesn't have that. You know, even in Paranormal Activity, that like there's like an oh, there's a guy who's like 
I, f- I can't remember. I haven't seen it in a long time. But he's like, oh, actually, you're being haunted by the ancient mystical Magul. And if you do this and this, then Magul will get you. And like, oh, that's weird. you just get like all the rules of what you're dealing with. And I like that we don't even know shit about the Blair Witch. Is it, you know, is it a spirit that possesses you? Is it actually a witch? Is Because th- this the standing in the corner thing was a serial killer who said he was told who heard the voice of the witch in his head and told him to do that exactly but then that guy's been dead since the 40s and also they say his house burned down yet his house was there and now they're doing the corner thing so it's all left as vague as possible and to give that sense of campfire storytelling where it's like a game of telephone you know every time someone tells you the story there's a different detail there and it's unsatisfying as all hell and again i understand why people don't like this movie and it's <laughs> divisive as hell and people are just like nothing happens that's the end of the movie people are like that's it you know but, like, I just think it's scarier. It's just, it oh makes you, it takes that whole idea of the unknown and just adds it a thousand percent and makes it feel like you just heard a ghost story that someone told you. It was one of those things where I wanted to rewind it immediately and, like, rewatch it, but I was too scared to yeah. even, you know, do it. <laughs> so, wow, that's freaking scary um, i for- i completely forgot about the corner thing like uh, I, I had thought because for some reason it looked like he was levitating too like he was facing the wall but yeah. it didn't seem like his feet were touching the ground so i was like oh like was he like nailed to the wall or something like i didn't know what yeah. was going on everything happened so quickly there's a there's a couple of fan theories too you know floating around obviously with, with a movie like this with message boards and this and that is that site still up oh yeah totally Whoa. <laughs> I don't like it. Oh, Halloween Horror Nights should totally do a Blair Witch haunted yeah, woods should. thing or whatever. I know I only get too into fan theories, but the there's two prominent ones, and the second one is actually I think really interesting. Oh, cool. Um, the first one is that because they say Rustin Parr, who's the serial killer, they say the town burned his house down after. After he got arrested, you know, like, they were just like, fuck this guy and burn the house down. So the fact that the house was standing when they got there, they say that they actually walked into some kind of, like, fucked up, like, not a time loop, but, like, they once they went in the woods, they were no longer in their world and they were never going to find the road again because there was no road. That's why the woods were so much bigger than they thought they were going to be. Uh-huh. And they, you know, walk all day and then end up at the same spot where they began. So that's, yeah, that's a thing i believe like you know that's that's a fan theory it's not terrible you know i I like it yeah um but the other one which is totally fucked up is so like if you you have to kind of pay attention in the beginning but the relationship of these three people is basically like josh and heather are like i presume classmates right who know each other from class but aren't best friends Mm -hmm. and then josh knows mike who heather's you know nice to meet you and all that so a lot of people say it's Josh and Mike were luring Heather into the woods to kill her and and did everything themselves. So they were the ones setting up the rocks and fucking with her. And then that whole ending, you know, Josh disappears on purpose. Uh-huh. Mike stands against the corner and then they kill Heather. Like it's <gasps> as if it's like they like they orchestrated some crazy fucked up plan to like psychologically uh... fuck with her. And obviously that's not what the filmmakers intended. But like it's a pretty cool way to read the movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whoa. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, one of the interesting things I found, which totally makes sense too, is like put your put yourself in the shoes of these actors who got hired for this weird indie movie. Like, mm-hmm. you know, because it's easy to look now and be like, you were part of the Blair Witch Project, but think about how many indie projects are shot every day. Like, I'm I know I work on indie movies sometimes. I know actors who 
star in an indie movie a week and nothing ever happens with them. They're just like, not good, not this and that, you know, a little bit sketchy. Sometimes you get there and you realize like, fuck, we got no money. They're not feeding us. Like this sucks. Right. So like, think about the trust you have to have in these two film school kids right. who are the directors that they're like, we're going to set you in like, like Heather, Heather was the most worried, obviously, because she was the one woman. So she said she literally like traveled every day with a, a hunting knife on her. I was going to say that was my one other fear yeah <laughs> like staying in a hotel with two guys with you know start taking shots and everything yeah and yeah just, uh... and uh and so like but like in real life she was like like she even like went to the directors in the beginning and she's like are you guys making a snuff film which is like mm. we kill someone on camera you know what i mean mm-hmm. and like i just feel like that you have to have so much trust it's just like it's just five people who didn't know each other like totally. the directors knew each other but like like yeah. you know like if you were an actress and you told me like hey i just got hired on this project for no basically no money i'm gonna go in the woods for three days with all these strangers right well they fuck with me i'd be like yeah we're you're not doing that (laughs) (laughs) like that's well yeah like yeah especially for her like you said yeah so i just like i i find that to be a whole nother angle of like that's fucking nuts man i am intrigued by that one where they kind of enter a loop that's not really in like they enter a realm that's not the real world anymore for them because that whole scene where they go south and they end up at the same place was just... Oh, yeah. That was where you really heard Heather break down. She was so good at breaking down. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm going to keep coming back to this, but... Every time she broke down emotionally, but she kept trying to convince herself that everything was okay. Yeah. Oof. All the way up to that shot of her speaking directly to Cameron, kind of saying goodbye oh, that's to a, her that's mom. That's like the iconic moment of yeah. the movie. Which is crazy because, you know, it's all improvised. She came up with all that. And actually, so she planned on shooting her whole face, but she fucked up and hit the zoom too much <laughs> and caught it on camera like that. Wow. And then it ended up working it's so much scary. better. It ended up working perfect. Like, you need that, <laughs> like, that gross shot of the mucus coming down and the crying. Like, it feels so real. That's another thing I just want to talk about of, like, how much this movie is just filled with happy accidents. Like, you can't. <laughs> So many things have to just, like, work out. And so, it, sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. You laughed at it, but it, I don't know why, but it scares me. Oh, no. In the beginning, when they're interviewing the woman about the Blair Witch, and as she's telling the story, her kid starts freaking out and covering her mouth. And you're like, no, no. Like, you can't plan that. They had no, no that's fuck- what I, That's why I laughed, because I was like, wow, that's absolutely perfect. <laughs> I know, but, like, I don't know why, but to me that scares me so much more. Where, like, the kids even senses it, you know, like. Like, don't talk about the scary thing. Like, I'm like, has the kid seen the witch? (laughs) The Uh creepiest story (laughs) that I ever heard was that two men were out hunting. Uh And they were camped near the cabin or something that she's supposed to haunt. No, Uh no. And they disappeared off the face of the earth. No. Really? Okay, it's all right, Ingrid. I'm just telling a scary story, but it's not true. One unhappy accident, which, Uh depending on how you look at it, if it would have worked or not, so... Do you remember when their tent starts shaking and they sprint out? Yes. It's Josh filming Heather from behind, and you hear Heather yelling, What the fuck is that? What the fuck is that? So they had a crew member off in the distance dressed like an all-white silhouette, and this and that, and this was supposed to be the one moment in the movie where you saw the Blair Witch from far away, uh-huh. and Josh just never panned left. Like, like they that was the whole big plan, was you were going to get the reveal there to see that there actually L- was, like, a dis- thing in the distance. And he just didn't film it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he was just running. He was scared. That is so He just filmed Heather, this and that. And, like, I mean, I'm, I keep seeing how, like, I love the... 
the use of your own imagination to scare you in this. So I'm like, I don't even know if it would have been scary if we saw that. You know no, what I mean? Because then you'd just be looking for the rest of the movie. Yeah, yeah. So, but like, that's that's so insane that like they had this whole plan. They had like an extra crew member come in to do that, like dress them up, had costuming do them up, and then just nothing. It's never. <laughs> Mom, got I'm there, but on the left. And you know they wanted these genuine. Like they didn't tell them, "Hey, tonight we're shaking the fuck out of your tent." Mm-hmm. You know, so they all literally woke up to, <laughs> and then they just sprinted the fuck out of. You know what I mean? Hell like, to the no. One of the nights where the camera was on in the dark and they heard something, Heather goes, all right, I'm going to put my pants on. And I was like, your pants weren't on the whole time? What are you doing with pants off in the tent? <laughs> I, was so, I was so angry. Oh, no, it's like just one moment that stuck out to me. Yeah, I uh, this movie made me very uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, that was, I mean, it succeeded, right, in what it was trying to do? Exactly. The whole process of filming them this way with this kind of, like, filmmaking boot camp thing one of the producers was in the military and he actually took it from a military training exercise they do for like new recruits where they like dump you in the woods for four days and they like hunt you and to get you like used to being in an enemy environment knowing that like your life could be over this and that and it's kind of the same thing where they don't they fuck you up where you're sleeping this and that and it's all like to build training exercises and to get you like acclimated to being in a high pressure like life or death situation and then at the end they you know and this and that so he used a lot of those tactics that he learned from that in in the filming of the movie again is this legal <laughs> like oh i don't know i mean they signed they told them like you're literally like they they said like you're signing up for eight days of like camping in the woods hiking and like psychological torture basically uh-huh. like so it wasn't they knew what they were getting into they just didn't know the details of it Wow. So yes, they it's it's legal if it's consenting adults also on the paperwork. I guess so, but I just that method of, you know, putting your actors in an environment and not telling them about it to this level is crazy and I wonder though if like people are still trying to do that. Like obviously it's not something for popular films that we know of today, but like I just wonder, one, if you can, legally, if anyone would even consent to that. Yeah. And two, if, like, there are people who actually would sign sign up for an experience like that. Maybe. Eh, maybe. Who knows? I have no idea. Eh, that's just crazy to me. I, I personally would not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fuck that. I mean, I'm not an actor, so I can't even put myself in the perspective. But, it's the, like, to what I was saying before, though, like, there's a million, jillion, billion indie projects that are shot every day that don't end up being shit. Right. So, like, there's no guarantee that this was going to pay off in any way. Like, it yeah. could have just been, like, eight days of hell, and then it was just this shitty movie that wasn't good that mm-hmm. nobody gave a fuck about. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what blows my mind. Like, it's easy in hindsight to be like, oh, yeah, I would have done it to be part of Blair Witch, but, like... Of course. There's a thousand Blair Witches shot every minute, and only one of them is the Blair Witch. Like, And the last thing I'll say to that, too, is... I mean, I've acted in, like, community theater stuff. Obviously, I'm not a professional actor. Yeah. But I will say I'm a little offended for the actors to kind of be put in a situation like that where they're kind of prompted to have those emotions because it kind of dismisses their skill to act. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they're not – it's it's kind of like they're not trusted enough to bring about the emotions that you're looking for. I, I think that's that's valid. So that's why I, I was kind of like, ah, oh, surprised by that. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's valid. 
like freaking Christian Bale doesn't have to be prompted in putting those scenarios to be to act the way he does in his movies. That's true. <laughs> you know, I mean, he but does. He, yeah, he, he does, does lose yeah, massive he, he amounts like of weight. He starves himself. Like he'll, yeah. he'll do it to himself. He'll do it to himself. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, you know, there are plenty of actors who are very believable in the suffering that they, the emotions that they put on screen, without yeah. having to be, you know, s- starved or whatever by production. Yeah. No. Agreed. I'm like somewhere in the middle where yes, it's totally fucked up, and I wouldn't. I think I like you know, I, I, if I was directing something, I wouldn't even think to do anything like that but i do think it falls somewhat in the family of you know the way we talk about robert de niro in past episodes where you know i'm sure he could have believably been a taxi driver but he chose to spend a month of his life working as a taxi driver in new york Mm -hmm. to really seep into that idea of what it was like and tap into it but that's a character study that's like yeah or but like you know it's it is a character study and i think the main difference is that was his choice to not forced upon him right but I'm only like just playing devil's advocate here to be like I think it's in that same family, just incredibly mm-hmm. distant. Like it's not it's not the same thing at all. But it's hard to argue because it worked. Like it's it totally <laughs> like like I don't think for all I know, Heather's not the type of actress who could produce tears at any moment, mm-hmm. but could at this point because she was so goddamn fucked up in the head right so i don't think it's really necessarily right i don't think other future filmmakers should try to do it yeah but it worked and when i was reading my 1999 book it has like not interview it has like snippets of like dialogue of interviews from the actors and like by all means especially heather like she was like so excited by doing it like she was like this is gonna be the craziest acting challenge i'm all for this all right Um, i i it's probably a case-by-case basis depending on the actor i just think you know there are plenty of actors that I've seen that have the capabilities to do that without knowing that they've yeah. had to go through any trauma, additional trauma, you know, by the director. That's totally or true. Like yeah, that. yeah. So, and to be fair, like, again, I don't think the directors were like monsters. Like there was one example of one night where it rained really bad and the all their shit got wet in their tent, mm-hmm. and they were just it was like day five or six. They were fucking frustrated. Their walkie-talkies weren't working because the bad weather. Mm-hmm. So they used the GPS to go find the escape route thing. It led them to a house full of like friendly locals who knew what was going on. The locals let them in, gave them hot chocolate, dried them off. The directors drove to the house, picked them up, and then got them a hotel room. So they stayed in the hotel that night while they dried off and reset and then went back to the woods the next day. Okay. So, yes, it was psychological f- torture and stuff. But again, they weren't like maliciously fucking with them. They just truly believed it was making the best movie they didn't deprive them of water. Like, if they deprived them of water, I think that would be a completely different aspect. Because yeah. then you could just potentially die. You know what I mean? Like, totally. they just got them nice and hungry. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, it's weird. I'm of two minds where I don't, like I said, don't want other filmmakers to do this going forward. I don't think right. it's a good practice to get used to. But it produced one memorable motherfucker. Like, 20 years later, I still feel like I watched three people die on camera last night. <laughs> Like, I just, I believe all their breakdowns. Like, I believe them, mm-hmm. the the way, like, sometimes they're up, sometimes they're down. Like, you know, sometimes Josh is the mediator, and then sometimes he's 
you know, breaking down so much. You got Mike pleading to Heather, like, don't put the camera in his face right now. Like, yeah. we, don't, we don't need to be filming him crying. Like, this is a serious moment, you know what I mean? Right. And then when Josh is filled up and he's filming Heather to give her a taste of her medicine and all that. Come on, you can do better than that. Guys, we have things to prepare for here. Okay, here's your motivation. You're lost. You're angry in the woods. And no one here is here to help you. There's a fucking witch and she keeps leaving shit outside your door. There's no one here to help you. She left little trinkets. You fucking took one of them. She ran after us there's no one here to help Josh! you we walked for 15 hours today we ended up in the same place there's no one here to help you that's your motivation that's your motivation please stop josh quit it just had enough come on man you got her back good one no, she's still making movies, man. That's my point. Please stop. This is my point here. It's all I fucking have left, okay? Just please stop. Please stop. Yeah, so, these, so many of these scenes just were working for me. Totally. I'm just imagining Mike. Mike? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm just imagining Mike getting an index card in the morning that's like, Today you'll eat a dead leaf. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that was probably his choice. <laughs> it, no, it was more just like a little. Like, it was like one sentence of just being like, yeah. "You're, you know, like, like it would say like Heather, you are positive you're not lost." Mm-hmm. And then the other two would be like, "You fucking know Heather is lost." And then you know, yeah, like I that's see. all you'd get. And so yeah, I'm so curious. Like I'm, I don't know the details. The one thing I never watched was the movie with the commentary. And I actually, this is one I actually would kind of want to rewatch it with the commentary. Yeah. So I could like scene by scene have him talk about it. But I'm so curious, like that whole map scene. I wonder if Heather just kept getting index cards being like, they definitely have the map. You know uh, what I mean? Because, like, she never lets that issue go. Yeah. And so I was just curious of, like, I wonder if that's what she got. You know, it just said, like, no matter what they say, I promise you one of them has the map. <laughs> and then the other two probably had, like, you fucking know she lost the map. And then on the next day, Mike got one that said, at some point today, you have to say you kicked the map into the river. You uh, know, like. See, that's, like, a fun acting exercise. Like, you're getting direction on what your character's choices were. Yeah. <sighs> But just that other extra layer. I'm sorry I keep going back to this, but the extra layer of, you know. Anyway. Sorry, one thing popped in my head when we were talking about things that don't work. I don't know why they left this audio in because it was like, it was screaming from off camera and I feel like they could have cut it out. But right before they find the stick trees, you hear Mike yelling off camera like, guys, get over here. We got to see this. And they're like, what is it? And And he's yelling, there's food over here. Uh, oh. oh yeah, I guess you didn't pick up on it. No. But I didn't notice it until this time. And then I was just like, wait, what? And then <laughs> and you even hear her head they're like, what? And then they get up there and then it's the scene where they see all the stick figures. So it was clear that they were hiking all day, they were hungry, and they finally found the milk crate with the food. Oh, that's funny. And like that was just him reacting to being like, Fucking finally we found the food for the day. <laughs> and I was just like, he's not even on camera. Like, why is that in the movie? Like, because they don't address like, Mike, why did you tell us there was food up here? That's funny. Oh, one funny thing. I've always kind of thought it was a little bit weird. Not so much when I was younger, because I didn't really know how filmmaking worked. But the more I watched it as I got into filmmaking is when they're doing the interviews in the beginning and they interview that old woman, Mary Todd, the one who says yes. the creepy one. That entire fucking interview is out of focus. And that's because while Josh didn't know the camera, he wasn't a cameraman. Yes. So he just fucked up and filmed the whole thing out of focus. But these are like film students who are yeah. like, that's rule number that's one. Fine. Like, get your shot in focus. So the very they didn't next... use the peaking? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they had peaking on 16-millimeter cameras. <laughs> and then the, the car scene following it is her and josh and heather arguing you know it was in it was in meters and i don't know meters and she's like no the feet are on the camera and like they're arguing about 
the the focus marks on the oh, camera. Oh, that's funny. And I was like, they definitely they added that in because they had to explain why this film student got this entire interview out of focus. That's <laughs> and funny. And they couldn't just, you know, so it's, it's there, there's certain times where they have to be like, oh, fuck, let's add this thing. Where the hell did they find that old lady? Oh, I don't know, but <laughs> she was so scary. She was very yeah, scary. Yeah, like, even as a kid, like, growing up, like, watching it and being scared in my parents' basement, like, I don't know, every single one of those townspeople, their ghost stories just scared the hell out of me. Yeah. Especially, like, including the guy who said, you know, oh, my grandma used to tell us that, that if you're, too, if you're walking around the house too late at night, you know, and, and not going to bed on time, the Blair Witch will get you. And, like, you know... I didn't live in a giant house, but I lived in a pretty big house where I had to go up two flights of stairs in the dark to get to my bedroom. No, three flights of stairs in the dark because it was the basement, then that little flight, and then the flight to the second yeah, floor. Yeah. And so, you know, when I'm watching movies late at night, my parents are already sleeping. Like, I have to walk through that, all that darkness. <laughs> and for years and years and years, I always was just like, fucking Blair Witch gets you at night. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, as yeah. I get it. I get why can, people can think it's not effective. One interesting thing I read an interview with the the directors ten years later, and they were talking about the backlash to the movie, and they were like, "We truly think there wouldn't have been backlash if it didn't blow up the way it did, because as an indie movie shown on small screens, people were are ready to not be as tied up in the tropes of a Hollywood movie, Mm -hmm. but the second that." They became one of the highest grossing movies in 1999, you know, was was competing against, you know, Star Wars and all Fight Club and these other like movie movies. Right. That's when the audience started putting the expectations of a normal movie on it. Mm-hmm. So that's why when you don't have that end scene where it explains what's going on, when you don't have a three X structure, when there's not traditional jump scares, they were when comparing it to other movies that were in big cinemas, it didn't follow any of the rules. And they were like, I think that's why people were just like, this is stupid. This isn't. This isn't what I go see. That's so, so they were like, if they, they were like, if it obviously they wouldn't be as successful. So they didn't say they wish this, but they were like, if it just remained a word of mouth, low budget movie that just kind of like over the years got a cult following. They're like, I don't know if it would have received the intense backlash that it did because it was everywhere. There was par- it was parodied in scary movie. Mm-hmm. They made like actual like a million parodies of it. Fucking, they made a Scooby Doo Blair Witch Project parody. Like, <laughs> like it was everywhere. You know, the comic books started coming out. We had a sequel that came out like exactly one year after the movie. It just became like the new cool thing. Like it became like you know, as soon as something's hot, all of a sudden it's lame. You know what I mean? Right. Like, so it's very interesting. It's weird, right? That audiences just love that three-act structure and knowing what they're going to get. Yeah. I think that, yeah, you agree. That's weird. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's weird, but also... Because I like just going in and being like, all right, this is the art you created. I'm just going to watch it. Like, I'm not expecting, even though I know that's usually what I'm going to get, that normal three-act structure, problem, resolution sort of structure. Yeah, but hi- uh, history has shown that, like, that's kind of what sells because you need broad appeal. Like, not everybody... For most people, movies like comfort food. It's mm-hmm. not, they're not trying to look at it the way, you know. Like, like when I look at paintings, to me, it's just like, I don't know shit about painting. I'm not that moved by it. So I'm just like, oh, that looks nice. That's cool. But then there are other people who can examine a painting down to the detailed minutiae. So we're talking about movies for a sub, a small subgenre of people. Right. Most people want to go and eat some popcorn, get the fuck away from the kids. Yeah. You know, well, have I, shit wrapped up and go home. I think that's fine. Yeah. I'm just saying, why would you get upset when something is trying to be different? Oh, because everybody <laughs> tells you it's good and then you go see it and by your standards, it's not. So you're like, what the fuck's everyone talking about? It's not good. It's people. It's the same. It's like with pop music. Like, you know, like everyone says the yeah. new hot artist is good. And then people who are really into like how you make music at its core and the art of it and the tradition, they'd be like, yeah, this is 
garbage. It's right. just it's made for a million people to, for teens to dance to. I so, don't know. I, know. See, I think people should just maybe just stop saying it's good and just start doing what we do on this podcast. Like, I think you will love it, and these are the reasons yeah. why. Like, just... Oh, by the way, I didn't <laughs> say this earlier, but it, I know we normally talk about why we think the other person would love it. I actually didn't think you would love this, but I was <laughs> I was I was using it as a challenge to myself LOL. with all my with all the backstory and the the every all this detail we're going into now. I was trying to challenge myself to make you appreciate it uh-huh. or get make you get you to appreciate. <laughs> Gonna make you <laughs> make you appreciate this. <laughs> no I'm kidding. I almost wanted to like lose you with the movie and then get you back with, with, the, with the details. You know what I mean? Interesting technique. Your reaction of frustration last night was kind of exactly what I was expecting. So I was like, I don't. I don't think this is going to be a movie Masha loves, but I want to see if I can get her at least to appreciate <laughs> what they did here. That's you know funny. what I mean? I think like best worst, we'll probably get to talk about more stuff we like about it. So we yeah. wrap it up soon. But I just want to quickly touch on like the series as a whole, basically. Uh-huh. Um, because like I said, there was a sequel made immediately, like like rushed into theaters. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> I just said it like two minutes. Oh, ago. whoops! whoops. <laughs> immediately after the year after was uh, Book of Shadows, Blair Witch Two. It, had, it was just the studio that had nothing. The directors didn't, didn't want to make it. Interesting. I've never seen it, but by all accounts, it's not supposed to be good, but it seems like there was a good movie in there. It was one of those, they hired a really inventive filmmaker to make it, and he came up with a really original concept, and then the studio didn't like it, and then had a bunch of reshoots and kind of cut up his vision and just made a very traditional by all accounts, boring movie. Is there a director's cut? No, they never made one. But um, the the main conceit of it was the studio just wanted to do, let's get another group of kids in the woods, found footage, they get scared, they get killed. And he wasn't interested in doing that, so they came up with a script where it's in a, it's in a world where the Blair Witch, just like in real life, the Blair Witch Project was a movie that came out, but it was real, not, not the way we all learned it was fake. Mm-hmm. And then the sequel is about a group of kids going and, and visiting all the locations from the movie to see if it was real and then shit happening to them. And there was all this kind of crazy creative Freaking stuff. It stole my beyond the credits. Oh. Uh. <laughs> it stole my beyond the yep. credits. <laughs> it came out 20 years ago. And it's totally <laughs> but whatever. So I thought that was like a, a decent jumping off point as opposed to just redoing the same thing. Mm-hmm. I never watched it, and by all accounts, like, the, that final product is supposed to be a mess. Like, it doesn't make any sense. They rejumbled the order of the scenes because they thought it was paced bad, and they really just, like, didn't make the movie. This guy shot out the shoot. Womp. So, yeah, there was that. And then, uh, what was it, three years ago, four, 2016, was uh, Blair Witch. Yeah. The sequel. It was fine. Uh-huh. I didn't really care for it. That was a traditional sequel. It was found footage. It was about Heather's brother looking for Heather in the woods. Oh, interesting. And then the same shit happens to him and his friends. Except it's a lot more movie-esque. They do jump scares. Yeah, you see the monsters. They make up some shit. They, they, they conveniently say that they placed a bunch of cameras into trees. So that way they have other shots to cut to. It doesn't look feel real wow. at all. It's fine. It, it wasn't like terrible by any means. But it just was forgettable. Like I, I already don't even remember how it ends. I watched it in 2016. And I was like, eh. They had three video games in the 2000s. That all were about the different backstories. So there was like a video game about Rustin Parr. A video game about the witch lady in the 1700s. Mm-hmm. And there was like comic books and like supplemental books that came out. But last year, they made a new Blair Witch video game that has insanely good reviews. And I'm totally buying that when it's on sale. 
Oh. It's it's on the Switch, but it's a it's a thirty dollar game, and you know me, I wait till everything's on sale. So yeah. the second I see a price drop on that, I'm buying that shit and playing it. Nice. Apparently, it's supposed to be scary as fuck. Oh. So I want to play it at night. And, and, you love it. Yeah. So I want to play this new Blair Witch video game for sure. <laughs> nice. Um, cool. Do you have any more thoughts before we wrap this up? No, I'm ready to head into best worst. Nice. Let's do it. I'll start off in best worst. Do you mind? Sure. So I did best worst townsperson in the beginning. Oh, that's one of mine. Oh, stole it. <laughs> All right. You can go. I have to go to mom and the baby. Uh- <laughs> I, I should have won. <laughs> I love the mom and the baby. Actually, I just picked the baby. I didn't oh, even pick the nice. mom. I got to give special credit to Mary Todd, the old lady. Like, she was so fucking Oh, creepy. yeah, absolutely. But just the fact that that, that baby shit, like... Like, because, again, if you want to... If you want to sell something as real, that seems like it's more real than the creepy old lady who knows the ghost story. Yeah. I, I think the creepy old lady pulled it off and she does seem real, but I'm saying, like... That's one thing where it's like, yeah, that's what is that a one year old actor? No, that, yeah, that no happened. Way. <laughs> yeah, like, like what did they do? A hundred shots until the baby finally said no, no at the right time. So when she says this, you're gonna say no, mommy, and yeah, cover, cover her mouth. Right. And no way, you're yeah. teaching that to a kid. So yeah, that was my most believable. Absolutely, I a hundred percent agree. Um, and you know, there's something about kids and them being able to sense when yeah, something kids is kids and dogs. You know, yeah. Like, uh. <laughs> So that was just perfect. What's uh, I'll let you go worst since I Mario already took. Let me go worst. <laughs> Sorry, I don't even know why I did that. <laughs> Apparently, we're five years old again. <laughs> My worst, and it's really just because he didn't stick out to me as much as everybody else did, was the older white man. Who was talking? Who he was solo? Everybody was white in this movie. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> it doesn't help at all. <laughs> the one who was solo, I think he was the one who talked about like his parents not letting him. That's how they got him to go to bed by telling them about the Blair Witch. Yeah, yeah, I think I know who you're talking about. I, kind of forgettable. I I think like the mom and the kid were very memorable. The old lady was obviously very memorable, and the two guys who were going fishing were very memorable to me. But this guy was just not, so. Cool. My worst is the two guys going to Oh, come on. <laughs> this always happens. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know what it is about these two, but they stuck out to me the most as, like, actors. And, like, I don't know. I just felt like they were actors who never improved before, and they were just constantly, like, <laughs> talking over each other and, like, contradicting each other's words. And Well, I thought that made them seem more like real people. Like that argued all the time. Yeah, I don't know what it was. Just it was more the the younger guy on the left. Uh, something about him, I just it didn't like. He looked like he was tr- real trying to act. Like he uh... looked like some dude they found at the community theater, and he's like, I can play this role. <laughs> you know, like I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> that maybe, is maybe, so funny. Maybe because he seemed uncomfortable with the fishing rod to me, he didn't seem like he was like he really kept, fishing. Like, he kept like looking at it, and he was like, Oh fuck, do I? <laughs> like, <laughs> this thing. I don't know. It just that guy, that guy next to him. I, I'll give it to you, the yeah. guy on the left. I'll the change. I'll right, change it to my to the guy on the left, not he, both fishermen. Yeah, because that guy on the right really seemed like a towns, like a local who just like yeah, whatever. Like I don't care if you put me on camera. Yeah. But and the way he never really spoke clearly, so I think that was also an another added layer of a real person. Yeah. Okay. I, I who'd, who's never been on camera before? Yeah. So yeah, I'll give it to you, the guy on the left. Nice. So, this is kind of generic, but the best, worst, like, main character. Okay. And I actually ended up going with Josh. Me too. Oh, there you go. Uh, What's your Well, I mean, out of all of them, I could sympathize with him the most. 
you know, throughout the whole movie, Mm -hmm. he seemed the most level-headed and was, for the most part, the mediator throughout this whole film. When it came to the point where he was sort of taunting Heather, I kind of felt like he kind of deserved that. Like, yeah, like, or at least it was believable that he would get there. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you that. Um, It's interesting you say that. uh, One of the things I read was, throughout the shooting of it, apparently him and Heather fought the most. Really? Like, they were at each other's throats a lot. But they decided to edit it in a way where he was the mediator because there was already plenty of, uh, like, they they were trying to fabricate a Mike versus Heather situation. So that's why, like, you know, you throw Heather's map away. Heather hates you, this and that. But then it kept naturally being that Josh and Heather would fight. And they were looking at the footage and they were like, this is really just coming off as these two people, like, these two dudes, like, ganging up on her constantly. And they just thought it would make a better, like, story if one of them was the mediator. So they actually were, like, struggling to find like enough footage of Josh trying to be the one to cool them both down and then cut out a lot of the footage of Josh and Heather like at each other's throats. So they must have been at each other's throats naturally. You're saying naturally? Naturally, but also the actors all made a commitment to each other that they were never going to break character unless they truly needed to. So like, it's not like when they turned the cameras off, they weren't like, all right guys, so that was a good day filming. Like they always were in character unless something real like was really bothering them then they would say taco and that's when they would break and be like all right what's up you know what i mean so they were as far as they were concerned they were those three characters do these people talk anymore oh i doubt it (laughs) that is crazy Um, like i'm so curious about their relationship yeah yeah so so like you know their natural personalities came in because they were getting naturally hungry naturally frustrated but they were doing their best as actors to be these characters and not be themselves totally um but yes that's funny yeah i picked josh the same way um well, I do think Heather was probably the best actress in terms of what mm-hmm. she does in the movie. He just seemed the most natural and believable. Mm-hmm. Like, he just had, like, this, like, laid-back attitude. Like, he just seemed like... And, like, I went to film school. Like, I know that guy. Like, mm-hmm. I know exactly who he is. <laughs> I had friends like that. I had people who annoyed me like that. This is a little, a little tangent. But every found footage movie always has to have the weird justification of why they keep filming. Uh-huh. Because in reality, like, if your life is truly on the danger, you're not going to constantly be worrying about looking through a viewfinder. You know, when I'm watching Cloverfield, like, they're in the dark subway getting chased by a thousand little tiny monsters. And I'm like, why is TJ Miller still filming this? Right. Like, he, you, you run faster by putting the camera down. You know what I mean? Totally. And then they always, every single one copies this movie where it's, like, some person who's like, no, I have to get this. This is all I have but like this is one of the only movies i think where it actually comes off as believable yes like they build up heather's character as someone who would do that and the other two characters are like speaking for us where they were like why the fuck are you still filming and all this and you know and this and that so that one scene when he's filming heather not when he's antagonizing her it's earlier when he's like i see why you like to look through this thing you know Uh it's not quite reality it's like a filtered reality i do think that's actually a good line but it's a very 20 year old pretentious film student thing to say (laughs) Like, you know, I love movies. I still do. I wouldn't be doing this podcast if I didn't. But, like, when you're younger and into movies, you really can get this kind of, like, annoying attitude of, like, you know, it's the true, you know, you read fucking Godard and this guy's, like, everything true comes through from the lens and all this shit like this. So it just seemed like a very film school thing to say. And mm-hmm. I believed it. As opposed to when I'm watching Cloverfield, where T.J. Miller is just a guy who has a video camera at his friend's birthday party. He's not a film guy. He's not, or, and even if he is, it's they, they don't do a good. I, I don't remember actually. I haven't seen it in a long time. <laughs> so maybe he, maybe he's like a videographer. But the fact that these people were this age, just got out of film school, where you know, it, it, I believed it, and I believed the justification of why they kept rolling the cameras, yeah. even when it seemed silly to do it. You know what I mean? Totally. But yeah, so Josh is my favorite. Cool. <laughs> I like it. 
And then worst. Worst is hard. I mean, I think they all do a good job, but in the definition of if I was actually there, I'd have to pick Heather. Because Mm -hmm. she just seemed to be the one who wouldn't admit to be wrong when she got them lost. She was definitely way more interested in getting footage as opposed to getting safe. Like, it wasn't until shit really hit the fan that she started taking it seriously. Yes. And you kind of want to fucking strangle her throughout the whole thing. Yeah. She was my worst as well. Even though I do think Mike. Wow. You really can't remember Mike. Mike! Oh! (laughs) (laughs) How many times? (laughs) Even though Mike could have really toned it down in the attitude, I understand where he was coming from. I do too, because this wasn't really his project. He wasn't really friends with these people. Yeah, he rented the stuff. It was due. He had work. Yeah, like, like, you know what I mean? Like, he he wasn't nearly as passionate at this. It seemed like he was almost more doing it just because... That's what you do in film schools. Like, you work on other people's films. You get a little experience. Like, I, don't, I wasn't even sure he was going to get a grade for this fucking thing. You know no, what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't even yeah. think he was in their class. Like, totally. You know, so I just, I could see himself being like, you brought me in here to help you with a movie, and now you're filming fucking rocks. Like, you know, like, we're we're lost, and you don't seem to give a shit. Like, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. So. Which is why he wasn't my worst. Yeah, I just yeah. wanted to mention that. I mean, it's oh, yeah, really because his yelling gaming anxiety. Oh, he, but... he had the biggest temper for sure, but yeah. I understood that temper. Yeah, like... <laughs> for sure. So that's why uh, I, Heather, Heather was also my worst. Nice. Wow, we agreed. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, we agreed, but there was three options. So it's not <laughs> it's not like we had a hundred things to fix from. <laughs> True. Um, that was my last best worst, by cool. the way. Cool. I have a, just another generic quick one, just best worst scare. Ooh. Um, and I already made it clear for me, but it's Mike standing in the corner. I just, it like, my hairs shot up on my arms last night when uh, I saw that. Just to not agree with you, because I, I do agree that that is very scary, but I really was scared by the uh, scream sounds. Oh, my, uh, Josh screaming? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That really freaked me out. And, you know, I at some point I was expecting to see him. And the fact that we did it, I think that was another added layer to my frustration at the yeah. end of the film. Because I was like, where the hell is Josh? And we didn't get to see what happened. But, yeah, that, that really freaked me out. Nice. For worst, I, I like almost all of them. But this one, only because the sound equipment just didn't pick it up that good. So, for me, I've actually never heard it. And maybe if I saw it in theaters, I would. But, like, our TV sound system sucks. We literally had this movie cranked to 100 at certain points oh, to yeah. try and hear it. But uh, there's one of the first nights when they hear the sounds of, like, kids laughing and playing in the woods that wake them up. Oh. So that was the directors literally playing boomboxes, like, in the woods of recorded sounds of kids playing. Ugh. And on paper, that's the scariest fucking thing in the world. Like, yeah. remember, like, Josh says, I heard a cackling and all that stuff. Like, that's fucking scary. But because their cameras didn't really pick it up and it's more of them talking about it being, like, is that the sound of laughter? You know, like yeah. them just saying it. So that's that's got to be my worst only because, and again, happy accidents on happy accidents. I'm sure the directors wanted it to be nice and loud. It just didn't happen. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, because sometimes they turn on the, the DAT recorder and sometimes it's the camera catching the audio. And so like, it's <laughs> not always, uh, it's not always good audio. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my worst. All right. Is the kids laughing in the woods. Oh, you know what? I think my worst will surprisingly have to be the rocks. <laughs> I didn't find those, like, the whole, if I were in that situation and I saw freaking fancy piles of rocks out when I stepped out of my tent, that would be scary. But for some reason, watching it wasn't that scary to me because I I, I was kind of like in the mindset of Mike and Josh where I was like, just get out. Like, stop filming the freaking rocks. <laughs> so maybe that's why I wasn't like 
paying as much attention to them or was as scared because I was concerned for those characters to just get the hell out of there. All right, I can see that. The rocks scare the fuck out of me only because they say, like, right away, she's like, what was that story Mary Todd told us? Oh. Where, where, you know, all of a sudden these rock formations appeared around her. See, and I forgot the story, so that was why I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, no, get out of there. scared the hell out of me. Um, But yeah, that's all I got for Best Worst. Cool. To the credits and beyond. I get why they put a sequel into production, a $60,000 movie that made $250 million. And also, that budget I said earlier, that's not all the marketing. Like, once Artisan bought the thing, they pumped almost, I don't even remember, it was like a million or two million into marketing. Mm-hmm. So all the missing posters and the, the sci-fi documentary, like, that's not the 60000 like the cost to make the movie. Mm, um, so it, it wasn't quite as cheap as it seemed, but still, $250 million. It's Totally. <laughs> huge hit. So... Uh, I don't know. I know the Blair Witch 2 already stole your your idea. Yeah. Yeah. I just... But I mean, maybe my idea is executed the right way? <sighs> I don't know. Yeah. Honestly, the only thing I could really think of that, like, maybe that they really haven't done is to try and do some sort of prequel and deal with the legend. Because you can't do anything with these characters. We've already had a sequel where the brother goes to look for her, and it was just like... What do you do with that besides recreate the first movie, really? Right. Like, if you just kind of do another setup of kids in the woods, it just doesn't work. And we've seen that now. Yeah. You know? I would love, I would love that idea. Um, but again, I keep, I felt like I bring, brought this up in a previous episode. I don't know which one. But if they treat it like Split, where, you know, it's a scary movie about kids missing in the woods. Uh-huh. And then at the end, you realize it's all you tied see, like, to the, the stick Blair Witch. Or something. Exactly. Yeah, like, that would be that cooler. Would be cool. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that wouldn't be a bad way to do it. But again, I can see why the studio doesn't want to because the whole point of having a sequel is you get to market it with the name brand. And if you leave it for a surprise at the end, mm-hmm. it's hard. Like, yes, they did it with Split, but I can see why a studio wouldn't want to do that. Because, like, why would I make a Blair Witch 3? If I can't tell anyone it's Blair Witch until the last second. Get a big producer name attached to it, like Shyamalamalan, <laughs> you know? Fair enough. I'll, I'll, I'll say his name correctly when he apologizes for what he did with Avatar. <laughs> From now on, he's Shyamalamalan. He won me back. How? With three good movies. Ugh. The Village, You're, Split, and Glass. You forgive too easily. I, three movies? <laughs> Man made six cents. Yeah, but then he made... Okay, what's the timing of those three movies in comparison to when Avatar was made? Avatar was 2010. Yeah. Then he did that shitty Will Smith, Jaden Smith after Earth, which I didn't see, but it was supposed to be trash. Then 2016 was The Visit, 2017 was Split, and then Glass was 2019? All right. So So they were all after. Yeah, they were all... All right. Once we learned we can't give him a big budget, it went back... (laughs) It was good again. That was the problem. We were giving him these special effects movies, these sci-fi. Mm-hmm. That's not his bread and butter. His bread and butter is small. Fucking little <laughs> bread butter. What are we talking about? Here? I'm sorry. <laughs> Why are we talking about travel? <laughs> my, my whole point was you can do that without using Blair Witch to market if you attached a big producer name to it. Yeah. I think you could just fall on that. I could see it. Uh, I also feel like, though, that would set up the expectation that another movie is coming out. Like the way, like like Split ended awesome, but if there wasn't glass to follow it up, right. it, it wouldn't mean well, shit. Well, maybe you start out with the Blair Witch, and then you go to the children's storyline. Yeah, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, mainly I think you know, it's hard to be on the credits when everyone's dead and there's only three characters. So I would say, yeah, if I was in that situation where someone said make it, I would go prequel. 
don't mm-hmm. know what the story would be, but I would do something either with the witch in the 1700s or the serial killer in the 40s. I would do something with that because there's a lot of mythology that's not explored. Yeah. And like, cause that's what they did with the video games. Those were all prequels about the thing and stuff like that. So um, that, that would be it. Yeah. But beyond the credits, a little boring this week. Sorry, folks. Yeah. All right, Masha. We've been through the woods and back. They're all dead. They're all dead. Into know. the woods and through the town. So there's only one question left to answer. Hmm. Do you love what I love? I love it. So you had thought that you could win me back with all the background video uh background information the ingenuity of how they made it and how they marketed it and yes. the, the lightning and the bottleness and the fact that it changed the horror industry as a whole and i will be honest that actually all that stuff was very interesting to learn about and at the end of the day i'm so sorry to say i do not love this oh, movie. I, I figured i figured <laughs> yeah. i mean uh, the only time I win you over with horror movies is when there's a nice big plot for you to sink your teeth into <laughs> and backstory and all this shit. And I knew this movie had none of that. Yeah. And the fact that any of it that it did have, apparently you just forgot immediately. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that's one of the things I had to write down was they. I felt like at the beginning of the movie, there was so much interesting, but so much backstory about who the Blair Witch was and then the added layer of like the kids years later the guy who murdered those kids and everything it was so much that i com- forgot like almost immediately that i just felt like i couldn't really value everything that was happening because i forgot like who what's the blair witch like i, I just yeah and i wanted to ask you during but there was so much going on i knew you'd get known well so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I while I appreciate, you know, the making of the film and how just the fact that it's never been done before yeah, and it's never gonna be done again. Exactly. I appreciate that. So yeah, but at the end of the day, it's not that film for me. I understand. Had I shown you the forty five minute sci fi channel documentary about the Blair Witch, because it's all about the backstory and uh-huh. all about the witch, I wonder if you would have liked it more. Well, I am interested in watching it now. Oh, I'm down to watch it. It's so good. Cool. But yeah, I wonder. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll bonus it up with that. Oh, yeah. All right. So that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. Also, if you have any opinions on what we discussed, follow us on social media at LWIL Podcast. It's a great place to find out what we'll be talking about next. And as always, if you have time, please take a moment to rate and review. Every bit of feedback helps. I'm Masha. And I'm Andy. And I hope you love what I love. <laughs>